0: Hey, where you been, Jimmy? Having trouble starting your car? It's the top of the eighth. Yeah, yeah, Tommy. I was down at the bar watching the socks. I then I remembered your mom's wicked awesome hot dog casserole, and I had to come here. Here, here, give me the clicker. Ooh, that's the bag who. He's a real pisser. He could hit it out of the park. Yeah, I wish I was at Fenway. Hey, who's that clever the monster? What's he yelling?
1: We love New York. We love, New York. We love, New York. We love America.
0: That's bizarre. I wish I was at Fenway. Welcome to Baseball Biz. I'm Mark Carpenter, host, and again joining me is none other than the Mr. Brandon No Way. Brandon, how you doing today, man? I'll be honest, I'm not doing half bad. How about yourself? I'm doing fantastic. Thank you. You know, being out here on the East Coast, not on the West Coast, a lot of those folks having some difficult times right now. But man, oh man, what well, we got a lot to talk about today, Exc- exciting things. You know, we're going to talk about the awards coming up for the end of the season. We're going to talk about the managers and we'll be talking about some MVPs. We'll be talking about the standings and uh, you're going to hit the magic numbers here in
1: a bit. Yeah, it's exciting times. Even though it's sad that the regular season is coming to an end, it's the best time for baseball and playoffs start.
0: Well, we started out the show here today taking a look at what's going on with um, some, some crazy behavior in Boston. Man, I don't know if you saw that or not, but there are the guys starting out the show here with us kind of caught some of it. What they, they had a guy out there in Fenway when the Red Sox were playing, none other than the Yankees. And with a season with no fans, this fan was decidedly, he was going to be in there. He was going to see a game.
1: Yeah, he, he was determined to see a game. man, right? And to get in there, especially that high, that's, that takes some determination and guts. He
0: climbed in there. You figure out, how did he get all the way? Did he climb up the back of the monster? You know, did did what happened? But there he is up there by the camera well of the guy out there in center field. And all I was like, think it was that crazy movie called uh, The Town that Ben Affleck did. I don't know if you ever saw that where he and some other guys are like bank robbers and they're going to rob you know they're going to go in there during the game day get all the concessions all the front office tickets all that and they're going to rob them not quite that extreme but this this fan was pretty crazy he got up there you know and he start shouting uh, i love new york boston loves new york and then he starts throwing out uh, a baseball cap and uh, a nerf football he's he's all over the place but I'm sure he got politely escorted out of the building, and I understand police uh, is now in their custody, so I'm not sure what, if any charges went against him and what kind of prison sentence goes with that in this season.
1: Yeah, I'm sure they politely asked him to leave. They slowly walked him out. But that's funny. It's just a nice, peaceful, quiet day at the ballpark, playing a game between two hated rivals, and then all of a sudden you just hear somebody in a Boston accent yelling, Freedom! America! Yeah. And then you see Michael K. like, there's a fan in here. Who's that? <laughs> well, I think a lot of people
0: were amused and they were probably more so than if they would seen a drone out there. So it slowed down to stop the game for just a little bit, but not too long. So I was glad to see that part. And I think LaMayhu looked completely puzzled. But uh, not surprisingly. So th- we're, that's a bit of bad behavior. So we've got this. This is actually going to be a segment. May not be the first segment every week, but it's going to be a segment, I believe, a baseball biz you know, upcoming. I mean, uh, looking at a little bit of other bad behavior, actually a little over a week ago, and that's when the Nats GM, Mike Rizzo, when they're uh, the Nats were playing at Atlanta, he was up there in a private suite, like a double-decker-up, where you really can't hardly be seen. And he was evidently chirping at Joe West. Well, that didn't go so well. Joe looked up there and ejected him. And there was what's, some question whether or not he's being ejected for his remarks or for not wearing a mask. <laughs> but the bad behavior gets multiplied when Mike Rizzo talks to the media a few days later and says, yeah, yeah, you know, I heard that he ejected me, but eh, I didn't. I went ahead and stayed in the su- the suite up there. So I never left the game. He He kind of multiplies <laughs> his bad behavior there. <laughs>
1: He's like uh, um, uh who was it? Bobby Valentine when he was with the Mets, where they threw him out and he just threw on the fake fake mustache and glasses and hung out in the dugout and watched the oh, rest of the game.
0: That was perfect. That was perfect. I, I don't know. It's the I, I love the umpires, but it's, it's Joe West is always something to behold. Anyway, he's his own yeah. kind of
1: creation. Hey, Country Joe West.
0: Country Joe West. I've heard him speak him as cowboy too, but that's that's something else.
1: I've heard him called other things as well, but I can't say <laughs> those words on t- on this show.
0: Uh, no, we are a family show, Sarda, and we're glad you're all here on Baseball Biz listening with us, so thank you. But another guy in bad behavior, this goes back to Ronald Chapman, who was throwing it, what was it, Mike Rosal's head with the Rays a, a few weeks ago, and I was surprised to see, not surprised to see that, what, that he had a th- kind of three-day suspension. The other part of that, though, was his he went ahead and appealed it, is his right. However, it's been a few weeks now, and there's been no suspension, and there actually there's been no ruling on a suspension. And now that's being said, the uh, suspension appeal will be moved to 2021. So I don't know. Anyway, I think that's a little weak on both MLB's part, well, and Mr. Chapman, but mostly MLB. There's the one who of the decision about that.
1: Yeah, MLB, they... As you know, they're very heavy-handed with their investigative team.
0: Yeah, they got to send a lot of guys out.
1: (laughs) Yeah, and I saw that one thing they said they're having trouble with witnesses. I don't know what that means. I don't know what that means. You can't get everybody to get on a Zoom call and interview somebody for five minutes on what happened
0: as long as they're not being intimidated. It's
1: you know, <laughs> Like everybody not. saw it. I don't know how you can have trouble getting witnesses together. You just take 5 minutes, pick up the phone. It's I don't get it. it I, I don't it's get it, still, that's you're just delaying everything.
0: Delaying the inevitable.
1: And this is like what a month ago?
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it was, it was actually yeah, <laughs> it was. It was on the it was at least the 1st, so it's been at least 3 weeks. I know that much. But it's it's crazy. Another bad behavior, and this isn't actually a person, it's just a kind of sad. It's the wildfires on the West Coast. The wildfires out there are absolutely insane. And I think you were the one maybe who sh- pointed out a photo of what was going on out there at the Mariners game. Or maybe it was, maybe it was one of the California teams that came here, San Diego, San Francisco, and had like this orange glow back there behind the stadium.
1: The thing about those pictures, they look really cool, but it's also terrifying and sad because I mean, it looks like the world's coming to an end and you know, it's not healthy, but like San Francisco, the sky is completely orange and up in Seattle, they had the roof closed and it was just completely smoky and you couldn't see anything. And honestly, I don't know why they played that game.
0: But- yeah. Re- retractable roof or not, they got the sides of that stadium open. That's how that thing is built in, in Seattle. So that's crazy. It, it it'd keep rain out, but it wouldn't do a daggone bit of good as far as that kind of pollution. I don't know why they played
1: either. Yeah, and I I don't know why they closed closed the roof either. That would make it worse, I think, because you're just trapping it in there, kind of like a grill.
0: Yeah, exactly. And these young players, I know they—they're most of them are trying to be invincible. They're trying to get everything done. They figure they're young. But all this stuff, when they're running around those bases and exercising that much and sucking all that stuff in their lungs, it's just not good. So I can only wonder what MLB is going to do as far as the playoffs. I mean, what? The playoffs this year, they're going to take place in four bubbles. And amongst those bubbles, let's see, I know that Arlington, Texas is part of that. And where else are we taking a look at? We're seeing Uh, that Houston. uh, Houston. So you got Houston and you got Arlington, Texas, and that's on the national side. And on the American League, you've got San Diego and Los Angeles. And I don't know, San Diego or Los Angeles, how they're going to be here within a week.
1: I saw a live shot a little bit, a few minutes before we started recording of Dodger Stadium, and it looked clear to me. I don't know exactly how close they are to the fires over there. I haven't paid too much attention to it, to be completely honest. But it looked good from what I saw. Now, it could be better in a week. It could be worse in a week. I don't know. I'm curious to see, like, if MLB actually did set up any backup or contingency plans, if it were to get worse somehow,
0: I don't know that they did anything I've seen because I don't think anybody planned for this. I mean, they didn't plan for, for the pandemic, and that stopped the season from starting. And they tried to what it took a hundred page plus document to get anybody out there to play, which, again, I thought, you know, was was pretty good considering, but. I don't know what they can do with this. I mean, if they have a contingency of other locations, I don't think the Canadians are going to let us come up here at Rogers stadium and use it there. But after all this negativity, I would like to come back with a positive note. And that is something that's as much as I criticize MLB is something that they did with the players association. So MLB and MLBPA jointly put together a $10 million grant for the players alliance. And, this particular grant, what is meant to be used for is mentoring and funding youth and young adult uh black leagues, also overall uh, community leagues, trying to build cultural education and pipelines to you know eliminate racism, but also just communities overall. So to see them do this positivity, and I know $10 million is a lot of money, but it really isn't when you look at it from MLB and MLBPA, considering they made $10 billion last year. But still, it is a welcome, and a sorry for my criticism and causticness, but I think overall it's a wonderful step that MLB and the Players Association put together. So I'm I'm very well heartened about that, and glad to see it happening.
1: Yeah, it's good to see them actually backing it up, and they're just not putting out you know hollow statements or gestures out there. Putting their money where their mouth is, trying to grow the game, which they've been trying to do for many years now with like Jackie Robinson leagues, inner city leagues, stuff like that. And it's good to see them putting more money towards it as well.
0: And and that's what it's going to take it's, there's been a lot of lip service from a lot of folks and this is some positive action. So I'm hoping that we'll see over the next few years, something coming back from that, from that positive action from them.
1: It won't happen overnight, but hopefully maybe 10, 15 years from now, we'll really start to see changes
0: And maybe some of those young folks will be up for awards from MLB, just like a lot of our players are right now. We a very, very short season, but we got the 2020 awards coming up, and that includes things like the Cy Young Award, the Most Valuable Player Award, the Manager of the Year Award, and the Rookie of the Year Award. I'll start out with the Cy Young Award. Brandon, that one was created in 1956 by Baseball Commissioner Ford Frick. And at the sure. time, there was only like one person getting the award each year. In nineteen sixty-seven, they split the award and they signed the uh Cy Young Award one uh to one pitcher from each league. And the way it's set up now, is say, well, okay, well, who is actually selecting these folks? It's the baseball writers of America's Association. So they get the way it works is one vote per team. So whoever's covering, say, the Yan- Yankees, they have somebody who votes. For them, if you have somebody also for the nationals or somebody else for the Padres, each team has one person who's voting and there's somebody who's a media person, a writer, et cetera. Now, for the Cy Young Award, they get to pick up and vote for five ranked candidates. And what I mean by ranked candidates is the voter selects in order who they would most likely see in there. So the first, second, third, fourth, fifth. Tell me, who do you have as far as uh, some choices you would like to see um Cy Young?
1: I'll start with the AL. I really didn't think it was that close. I mean, honorable mentions, I'd go with maybe Garrett Cole, Lucas Giolito, Dylan Bundy, guys like that as an honorable mention. But honestly, I think the hands-down Cy Young winner in the AL is Shane Bieber. Because, I mean, he has the number one ERA at 174 and leads league in strikeouts with 112. So, I mean, it's just like head and shoulders above everybody else in the AL.
0: Oh, I agree. As a matter of fact, that's who I picked as well. And for the National League, I picked uh, Jacob deGrom. <laughs> but I think just to make him the be his uh, third Cy Young award, he would win, though. And I just I, Part of that's because I just saw him play the other night. Well, and I, I saw him pitch seven innings, 14 strikeouts, and 112 pitches. And a, and a good portion of those were fastballs, man. I said, he has them. He or keeps them coming. He keeps them coming. And in seven innings to see that kind of commitment and what he was able to do, it was fantastic. Now, unfortunately, they lost the game that night, but as far as the Mets, they were very, very fortunate to have him on there. So I would, I'd pick him and I picked Shane Bieber. And as far as my, uh, who I looked at as honorable mentions, I was looking at you, Darvish with the Cubs and I was certainly looking at. Trevor Barr with the with the Reds as well. Maybe Tyler Glass now and maybe next year. Tyler's <laughs> still got a lot to clean up.
1: Yeah. The NL to me was very tough. I I was initially between Darvish, Bauer, and Negrom. Those are like the big three I had in there. And then as I really started to think of it about it more, Darvish slid off a little bit and then Kershaw came in a little bit more. But, I mean, I got to go with Bauer, in my opinion, with, with um, DeGrom getting a very close second. it's To me, it's basically a coin flip between the two. But Bauer, to me, with a 180 ERA and 88 strikeouts, they're pretty much even. But it's just, to me, I think Bauer has been the better pitcher more consistently throughout this year.
0: Well, I'd probably have to agree with you. As much as I like DeGrom, and I was primarily picking from what I saw the other evening, but... I like his attitude to it. I mean, did you read recently where he was saying one of the things if he was looking toward another team, if he hits when he's hitting free agency, is he would like to pitch you know once every four days instead of every five, so he'd like a be in a fourth rotation instead of a five rotation.
1: I didn't see that, but I like the way he carries himself. He's like he's like the perfect blend of cocky and confident. You know, he's not like yeah I'm the best there is. But he's like. I think I'm the best I am, and I'll go out there and prove it, and I'm willing to do it. I mean, that's, like, the perfect blend to me, in my opinion.
0: That's, that's true confidence. Anybody who has to do more than that and talk it up too much, it's because they don't understand that they already have it. But he definitely does. So I was encouraged about that. I mean, especially what he was saying about how often he wanted to pitch because it showed an aggressiveness and a commitment and a belief in himself. So uh, whether or not he stays, you know, with the Reds, you know, I don't know. He may still do that. That's just something he's looking for with whatever, wherever he goes. So we'll see how that plays out. Let's see now for the MVP drum roll, please. Okay. Who are you looking at? Who are, who are some of your choices, Brandon?
1: Well, starting in the AL, I kind of had a hard time picking my MVP. I was looking at DJ LeMay, looking at him as well as uh, Tim Anderson, But some of the stuff that Jose Abreu has done this year to me makes him the MVP because he's hitting 338th, which is eighth in the entire MLB. He's second with 18 home runs, first with 55 RBIs. And a fun fact for you, the last player to average more the last player to average over an RBI per game through sixty games was Miguel Cabrera, who averaged sixty-seven in sixty games through twenty thirteen, in twenty thirteen. So he's doing something that hasn't been done very often in a shortened season. To have more RBIs than you do games played, I mean, I think that makes you the best player. Now I know RBIs are a little bit of a, you know, a bit of a luck stat in a way. You can't completely control what everybody in front of you does, but got to
0: yeah. be somebody on base. Somebody got to be on base first. Yeah, you got to catch in with it though. No, I agree with you. I had Jose Abreu on mine as well. I mean, if you look at overall stats and a complete player, he certainly fits that menu. And for National League, personally, I I couldn't pick. I I had Freddie Freeman and Trey Turner. And again, these are players who you see much like Jose Abreu who have maybe a, a pretty good on-base percentage, maybe they're hitting some home runs, and their are RBS. And you see a good mix with all of that, and that's where you're going to find success. So I was looking at both of those players, and I guess if I was going to pick one, it would be probably Freddie Freeman.
1: Yeah, I went with Freddie Freeman as well. He has a really balanced line this year. He's hitting three forty, which is fifth overall. Not all. A lot of homers with 11, but he has 48 RBIs and a 1084 OPS, which is second. But I mean, guys like Trey Turner and Mookie Betts and Machado, even Ozuna on the Braves as well. They made it a bit tougher, but I think Freeman has been the better guy overall.
0: I'm with you there. So anyway, that's it's interesting. You and I both came up with the same answer on that one. Did you did you have any other seconds or honorable mentions you were thinking
1: of? I mean, Trey Turner, I think he could have snuck in as an MVP candidate if the Nationals weren't a last-place team. That's that really a the difference. big one. Mookie Betts, I think, you know, because of – it's LA to the best team in baseball right now. I think he's going to get a really big look. I mean, because he's, he's had a Mookie Betts year pretty, <laughs> pretty much. It's just all-around consistent. And, you know, being the big market team, number one overall – that really might help his case and put him up for Freeman.
0: Mookie has established himself, and I think he's gone above and beyond even what anybody thought he would do with his first year with the Dodgers. I could see where he could be be in that position. And I guess I was almost looking away from him because I think the Dodgers have got so much going on for them. I said, well, who's not with a team that's doing just that? I think Washington. That's why I was looking at Trey Turner somewhat. But uh, I can't really say it about Jose Abreu because the White Sox have been kind of climbing. And you can tell us a little bit more about
1: that later. Well, I guess a nice little tease for them.
0: Now, for for Rookie of the Year, quite honestly, I hadn't done enough research on this one. I mean, there's a lot of things going on. And just off top of my head, I'd say, well, I do like the Nationals. I could, I like going back to the Nationals. I'm sorry. But I like them. And their third baseman, Carter Kaboom, he seems like he's got a lot of promise. So if you ask me just off the cuff, I'd say Carter Kaboom. But I don't feel like that's real knowledge. That is probably based on as much knowledge as I need to pick truly who would be the rookie of the year.
1: I, mean, I, may, I may be a little biased, but Kyle Tucker from Houston, he, he's a local product from our area. He's had a pretty good year in Houston. He's the only rookie I really know about because he is a local kid. He went to high school here. So that's probably the only guy I can really think of that's a rookie outside I- of Jake Cronenworth.
0: Well, Jake Cronin, oh, my gosh, I'm glad you said that because I was reading something on him earlier today. I thought, whoa, whoa, that man's just amazing. I'm I'm looking forward to seeing him year after year too. Yeah. Well, let's take a look at the manager of the year. I want to give a tip of the hat to Ron Gardenhauer. He's the main, been the manager for the Detroit Tigers now since 2018. He's been with Major League Baseball for many years, but he's been experiencing some health issues, and he's wise enough at this point to go ahead and say, hey, I need to step back from this. I cannot imagine with the stress of COVID-19 around you and everything else to boot. And if you have other health issues that if you're experiencing something, it is time to get out. So I salute him for doing that and wish him well, as well as the Detroit Tigers.
1: Yeah. And he's always been one of my favorite managers ever since he was with the twins. I mean, I wish I, I wish he could finish the year out, but you know, he's been through a lot with his health already. I believe he had cancer a few years ago and I'm, Respect that he went out there and did his best to still try and help the team out, but your health is the most important thing. And if it's Indeed. best to step away, then, Hey, it is what it is. There are more important things.
0: I wish him well. And again, I know he, I, people have to make the right decisions for himself and that's always something he did. We're looking at the manager of the year. First off, you know, I got to eliminate people who I don't like. Okay. So <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. Aaron Boone I actually like but I'm just not a fan of the Yankees and and Dusty Baker I would have possibly thought of too just simply because I don't like the Astros and he had to come in and try to do the best he could with a team that's already got a bad mark against them. So that doesn't really qualify or disqualify someone as a manager of the year but just want to get that out there because it gives my own personal bias out in front of everybody. But I don't get to make that decision. Who gets to make the decision? Well it's not surprisingly that The manager of the year is also voted on by the Baseball Writers of America Association. And much like we were talking about earlier with the Cy Young Award, it is a weighted selection. They get to pick not five people as they do with the Cy Young, but they get to pick three. So they pick their favorite, their second favorite, and their third favorite. And they submit that. And from there, that's, you know, again, it is one voter per team. Look at a few other things. What's been the history of that? You know, who has been selected? And I was looking at one thing while it's not really a pre qualifier, many of the managers had a season where they'd won over 100 games. Now, this year, looking at COVID 19 2020 math, that 100 games would be equal to 37 games this year. This year, who's achieving that? Well, that would be none other than the National League Dodgers and Dave Roberts. He's, let's see, He being, he's joined them, what, back in 2016 when Don Madeline left and went on to Miami. So they've got over 38 wins thus far, and that would therefore beat that 100 games. If you're looking at the American League, using that as a metric, and then Kevin Cash would be there with 36 wins thus far. And by the, by the end of today, Tuesday, September 22nd, The race will probably win again, and Cash will have won the first AL division for the race since 2010. I would say Kevin's definitely earned his, and I'd say Dave Roberts is doing a great job with that team. While he has a great team to work with, he's doing a great job with them. And I'll go back to what I said the other two. The other AL consideration (laughs) would be Dusty Baker, just just because he has to deal with it.
1: I'll start with the AL on my side. A special shout-out. To Dusty Baker, because he gave us the great soundbite earlier this year when he, I believe it was him telling Joe Kelly, quote, get on the mound, little effer. I believe that was him. <laughs> so shout out to Dusty for that. My honorable mention for AL manager of the year, I'd say it has to be Rick Renteria of the White Sox. Cause I mean, in his first year, the White Sox did have expectations, but to me, they really exceeded them this year. I mean, they're battling for first in the American league and they're battling for first in both the AL and the AL Central. So that warrants major consideration and all the awards that the team could get with Rookie of the Year and MVP. I think that warrants a good look. But in my opinion, I may be a little biased because I am a Rays fan. I got to go with Kevin Cash because with all the limitations they've had this year, you know, payroll-wise, injury-wise, everything that they've had to go against them, And they're still a game and a half ahead of the White Sox in the AL and four and a half games ahead of the Yankees in the AL East, battling for first in all of baseball. And they could have what's equivalent of a 100-win season with all that they've gone through. I think that should give Cash the manager of the year.
0: Yeah, I definitely agree with that, obviously, Brandon. And it's, uh, it's been a hard road for the Rays, and I think that they've done a lot with it, especially when we talk about Cash considerations And I don't mean just Kevin Cash, but the amount of money that Rays are willing to put out there. He's done a lot with the team he's had. And he has a good staff behind him, too. Whether you're looking at the batting coach, Matola, or if you're looking as far as pitching, going out there with Kyle Snyder, they make a big impact. And you need a good coach overall. You need a good manager like Kevin Cash to bring all of those elements together. And I think he's done a fantastic job with it.
1: Yeah, the Raiders really, they're like a, they're like the sum of all their parts. They're not like a big star player or two. It's like they all really come together as a team and achieve what they do.
0: All right. Well, we've got our decisions there. So we have someone picked out for MVP, and we got someone for Manager of the Year and the Cy Young Awards. So we'll see what the rest of the world, or at least what the Baseball Writers Association of America has to say here, probably very soon
1: as the season comes to a close. Oh, did we do the NL?
0: Oh, I, I did, but you didn't. <laughs> My apologies. Oh. Who did you, you pick?
1: I had honorable mentions with Don Mattingly, of course. The Marlins are right there in the thick of the playoff race. Definitely. Of course, with all the – I mean, we thought they were going to get thrown out and left behind earlier this year. Even David Ross with the Cubs, his first year. Dave Roberts with the Dodgers. But I got to go with Jace Tingler of the Padres. His first year to be battling with the Dodgers for – the, the West and the NL in your first year. I and mean, that's that's really great. And I could see them going with Roberts, like you said earlier, but he just has the much better team around him than Tingler does, in my opinion. So True. what Tingler has achieved with the Padres to me has been a bit more impressive than what Roberts has with the Dodgers, at least in my opinion.
0: You just like the name Tingler.
1: Yeah, I just, I just like to say it.
0: <laughs> no, he hasn't. I think that's right, because it's for the same reason I was saying about Cash and working with the resources he has. I, I think Tingler definitely has a, done a lot with the resources that he has in his plate, too. Okay, so there we have it, Manager of the Year, National League and American League. And uh, we seem to be sizing up fairly close on both of these, what you and I feel. I want to take two and look at some unique stats for 2020. I didn't really... Don't really have everything I want on that yet, so I'm just going to share one I have here, and that is the number of players total played. Now, so what do we have this year? Was it 60 man roster?
1: Yes, yes.
0: But I was looking back, even back in 2019, though, for number of t- players total played, they had set a record with 65 players in one season. Now that's full season, so I'm not sure what we're going to find. In 2020, but due to COVID and a lot of other things and I think probably more injuries this year within the same period of time than you would find in 60 games last year, it's going to be interesting to see who those numbers are. So I hope to look forward and find out like the number of pitchers with saves. uh <laughs> I'm sure number of double headers will be more this year and uh hit by pitch, stolen bases. That's something I, I want to take a look at next week. I don't have all that yet, but we'll take a look at some of those. So let's go ahead and Brandon. We got some. Give us some insight right now. What's happening? How the series go? What's going on?
1: Well, we'll start with last week as the regular season is winding down. Unfortunately, but hey, that makes means the best teams are going to be left standing after this. We'll start last week in Colorado with the A's taking on the Rockies in a two game series. Both of them splitting that a game apiece. Then down in San Diego, we had the two NL Powerhouses, Dodgers and Padres, taking on each other, with the Dodgers taking two out of three. In Milwaukee, we had the Cardinals taking on the Brewers, with the Brewers taking three out of five. Then the Nats came down to St. Pete to take on the Rays, with Washington, with both of them swilling that series at a game apiece. Then the Red Sox went down to South Beach to take on the Marlins, with the Red Sox taking two out of three. Then we had the Pirates going up to Cincinnati to take on the Reds in a four-game series with the Reds taking a sweep in that series. And to Philadelphia, we had the Mets taking on the Phillies with the Mets taking two out of three. Then the battle for the best team in New York between the Blue Jays and Yankees as the Yankees swept that three-game series. Then you head to the Motor City with the Royals taking on the Tigers in a two-game series with both teams splitting that series a game apiece. Down in Baltimore, you had the Braves and Orioles in a three-game series with the Orioles taking two out of three. In a four-game series up in the Windy City with the Twins and White Sox with the White Sox taking three out of four. Then the Rangers and Astros taking on each other up in Minervaid Park with the Astros taking two out of three. Heading back to the Windy City with the Indian and Cubs taking on each other with the Cubs taking two in that two-game series. Then you had the Diamondbacks and Angels taking on each other with the Diamondbacks taking 2 out of 3. And then out west, you have the Giants and Mariners taking on each other in a two-game series with the Giants taking both of those games. During the weekend series, we'll start in Baltimore with the Rays and O's as the Rays took 3 out of 4. Then in Oakland, you have a Battle of the Bay between the Giants and A's with the A's taking 2 out of 3. and a four-game series in Philly with the Blue Jays and Phillies, the Phillies taking 3 out of 4. Another four-game series in the Motor City with the Indians and Tigers. Indians taking three out of four. And a five-game series down in Miami between the Nationals and Marlins with the Marlins winning three out of five. And a five-game series in Pittsburgh between the Cardinals and Pirates with the Cardinals taking four or five. Heading on over to Cincinnati, we had the White Sox taking on the Reds in a three-game series with the Reds taking two games. The three-game series in New York between the Braves and the Mets with the Braves taking two out of three. Then down in Houston, you had the Diamondbacks taking on the Astros in a three-game series with Houston taking two out of three. Three-game series up in Milwaukee between the Royals and Brewers with the Brewers getting the sweep in that one. Then a big rivalry, which included which included a fan coming in on Freedom in America between the Yankees and Red Sox up at Fenway. With the Yankees taking two out of three. Out west, we have the Dodgers and Rockies playing a mile high with the Dodgers taking three out of four. Then the Twins are in the Windy City taking on the Cubs, and they took two out of three from the Cubs. Out west, you had the Rangers taking on the Angels in a four-game series with the Angels taking three out of four. And closing out the weekend, we had the Padres in Seattle with the Padres taking two out of three. And Taking a look at the standings, we'll we'll start in the NL this week. Starting the East with the Braves, they still lead that division at 32 and 22, four games ahead of the Marlins, five games ahead of the Phillies. In the Central, the Cubs lead that division 32 and 22, four and a half games ahead of both the Cardinals and the Reds, five and a half ahead of the Brewers. And then out West, you have the Dodgers leading that division at 38 and 16, four games ahead of the Padres, who are 34 and 20. Taking a look at the playoff matchups, if they were to start right now, at the moment I'm recording, you have the Rays and the Ale at the number one seed taking on the eighth seed Blue Jays. And then number two, you'd have the White Sox taking on the Indians. Number three, A's taking on the Astros, which would be awesome. Nice rivalry there. And then at number four, you would have the Twins taking on the Yankees. On the NL side of things, you have to have the Dodgers at number one taking on the number eight Phillies, the Cubs at number two taking on the number seven Reds. Number three Braves against the number six Cardinals and the number four Padres against the number five Marlins. Looking at teams that have clinched, the A's, they were the first team on Monday to clinch a division title. And other teams that have clinched postseason bursts are the Dodgers, who were the first, along with the Rays, White Sox, Twins, Yankees, and Padres. The Indians can officially join the AL playoff field with a win or Mariners loss on Tuesday, which is the 22nd. And other teams can clinch on Tuesday are the Cubs, which is a postseason berth, the Rays, the AL East, the Braves, the NL East, and Dodgers NL West.
0: Wow. Brandon, when you bring the Baseball Biz standings and the weekend report, you really cover it all, brother. But thinking that here we are Tuesday, September 22nd, and everything that you just said about all of these teams that can possibly be clinching today it's an exciting, very exciting day for baseball.
1: I know it's it's crazy, and you and I were talking the other day. I, I didn't know the Rays could have clinched a playoff spot the other day. I was worried about watching the Lightning game. I saw that they won, and then all of a sudden, I see, oh, they clinched. Yeah, I, I th- just, oh, this is so much going on.
0: <laughs> There's definitely so much going on. Uh, it's funny because I was watching ESPN recently. I thought, are they covering baseball? As a matter of fact, are they covering hockey? I mean I saw nothing but football and a few mentions about basketball and I understand that I understand that everything just getting started but wow you know if if you blink you'll miss something with all the playoffs going on right now and it's just an exciting time in sports
1: yeah it's great we went so long without no, or we went so long with nothing and here it is it's all here at once it's it's great but it's it's so confusing at the same time
0: thank you everybody thank you Brandon man there was some great news going on as far as like what's happening with the standings and the playoffs Glad to get all that. It's been an interesting week, like we said. Taking a look at some of the bad behaviors. Taking a look at some of the awards and who we picked. We think are going to win those this season. And, of course, playoff choices. So I hope everybody enjoyed that. Next week, we're going to be talking about the playoffs, but we're also going to be talking about changes that came about for the 2020 season. Things we thought that were fantastic and things we thought eh, maybe needed some work and we should never, ever see again. So that'll be part of next week's show. I want to thank everybody here on behalf of Brandon again at the Sward one on Twitter, and you can also find Baseball Biz at the Baseball Biz on Twitter. We look forward to hearing from you guys real soon, and thank you very much. Also, music provided by Xtake Rux Moving Forward.